Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. People want to know the truth how to live life. You see, Jesus had just finished teaching about, well, the real issues of life. Why are you here this morning? Why am I here? We, well, there's issues that we want to understand in life, how to live life here, how to be happily married, how to raise children, how to work, how to be successful in life, how to forgive those who have hurt us, how to have purpose and meaning of certainly how to go to heaven. We want to know the truth. These people were tired of just teaching that had no truth. That's why the large crowds. As independent or autonomous as we like to claim we are, deep within each and every one of us has the desire for guidance and truth. Whether it's the meaning of life, why there's suffering, or if we're all one big cosmic accident, we've all contemplated the meaning of our existence. In today's message, Pastor Mark reflects on just why it is that Christ had such a large crowd following him after his Sermon on the Mount. In our study, we gain a better comprehension of man's hunger for truth and how that hunger hasn't subsided over thousands of years. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part one of his message entitled, God Provides Healing. On the overhead, you see an interesting picture. How many like eggs? If I told you that was a real egg, would you believe me? Well, probably the first question you'd ask is, I want to see the bird. Well, it's not a real egg. It was made with silicone and all kind of stuff as an advertisement gimmick. When you see these three words... What comes to your mind? Miracles. The supernatural healings. For some of you, the same thing when you saw the egg. I don't believe in them. It's all trickery. For others of you, depending on your background, well, yes. Uh, yeah, that's fine. There's, there's such thing. God's kind of associated with them. And it was in the Bible, but it, it's certainly not for today. And then as others of you think, well, I don't know, do, do miracles and healings and supernatural things happen today? See, sitting next to you are people that have lots of different backgrounds. Well, it doesn't really matter what background, it matters what God's Word says. And we're going to learn some very interesting things today. In these next chapters, 8, 9, and 10, Matthew presents miracles, actually Ten miracles. The reason for the miracle was to prove that Jesus, who did these miracles, was the Messiah. 
You see, the audience is Jews. That's who Jesus is speaking to. And Jesus is going to prove that the Old Testament predicted the Messiah would do these things, and Jesus does them. The next thing we'll see today is a couple words we'll talk about later. Authority and power. What does that have to do with Jesus and God? Then, of course, last, the Jewish people had certain beliefs. And they didn't care for sick people. In fact, in the Jewish belief, those sick people were outcasts. They were unclean. You couldn't touch them, couldn't be around them. You You wouldn't use them and allow them to be with you in their services of the synagogue and so forth. Also, well, the Jews hated Gentiles. They thought we were just fodder for the fires of hell. And then, of course, culturally in that day, the woman, well, at best a second-class citizen... And then a servant, well, a servant was a slave. He never took a second thought about a servant. That was the culture of the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. But he's going to reach out to all four of those groups today in a very different way. He's going to try to set the stage straight about prejudice. We begin in Matthew chapter 8, where you turn. The two verses of chapter 7 just basically say this, that when Jesus finished the teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, the people were astonished. They couldn't believe his teaching. You see, the teaching from Jesus was, well, it was anointed. It was full of power. It had practical application. And it wasn't just somebody reading a text. You see... There's a difference between anointed teaching and simply a lesson. The people knew it. Because of that, they marveled, but look what else they did. When he came down from the mountainside after teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, large crowds followed him. Now, why the large crowds? Why did all these people, even after he finished teaching, why in the world did they follow him? Well, because he had taught them truth. First thing to write today in your notes. People want to know the truth. How to live life. You see, Jesus had just finished teaching about, well, the real issues of life. Why are you here this morning? Why am I here? We, well, there's issues that we want to understand in life. How to live life here. How to be happily married. How to raise children. How to work. How to be successful in life. How to forgive those who have hurt us. How to have purpose and meaning. of Certainly how to go to heaven. We want to know the truth. These people were tired of just teaching that had no truth. That's why the large crowds. Why the large crowds in our churches today, by and large... Many of the nominal denominations, not all, but many of the nominal denominations for years have been declining and declining and declining in in people. Why? Because there's no truth in their teaching anymore. They don't teach the Bible. Why do all these other churches that have gone back to just simply teaching the Bible like we do and believing the Bible, why crowds of people? Because the answers are here. God gave it to us. That's why you're here this morning. Glad you're here. You're going to hear truth. Well, let me read verse 8, chapter 8 and verse 1 and 2. When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. Verse 2. 
And Jesus said privately to Peter, I really prefer a smaller and more intimate church. There's just too many people here. You've never heard that, have you? You see, people have a misconception about a large church. We're a large church. We're a mega church. We're in the top 1% of churches in the nation. And people have a, well, they just have a feeling, they've maybe never been in here, but they have a concept of what a large church is. Recently, one of our pastors was to a conference, not a Calvary Chapel, but this is a church up north. And uh, he went to the church at a conference, and uh, that church happens to be about 24,000 people on a weekend. Now, that's a large church. You know, we're only about six, six, six fifty, whatever. He came back with this that the pastor wrote, seven reasons why I love a big church. I want to go through them this morning really rapidly with you. What do you think of a big church? Well, number one, a large church is scriptural. See, when Jesus was there with the crowd, he didn't say to Peter, send these people away. I want this small group. Masses of people were there. On the day of Pentecost, when the church in the New Testament started, that day, 3,000 people got saved. By the way, this sanctuary holds 3,000 people, bottom and top. Two or three days later, the congregation had grown to 5,000. That's why we're buying more property. For the cars. Got plenty of room in here. We built it for that reason. So, we're not saying it has to be a large church. If you're in a town that has 4,000 people, well, you're not going to have a church of 12,000. It's not going to happen. But you can still grow. Second, a large church can provide rich fellowship. You see, when you go to church, it's a place where you relate to one another. Small groups, all kinds of things. We're going to have more of those after the first of the year. All of those kind of things take place. In a large church, you see, one of the goals you want to do is find somebody you can like. In a small church, you may have a really difficult time. So here you are. Look around you. For sure, there's somebody here you can like. Somewhere. If you say, Pastor Mark, I've tried out of these thousands. I can't find anybody. Well, let me tell you something. You're the problem. Third, a large church provides an excellent opportunity for evangelism. You know, when we started this church back in 1992, after a year, we were like two or 300 people. That was a large church. Still is a large church. We could have never put this production on that's coming up at Christmas. No, that's not good or bad. It doesn't mean the small church of 100 or 200 can't minister. They certainly can. But look at that. Evangelism can be incredible. It's just awesome opportunity because we're a big church. Number four, a large church provides many opportunities for service. We have over 90 different kinds of ministries in this church. From divorce care to special needs to you name it. You see, because you're serving and you're gifted, we have all of these opportunities to minister to people in so many ways and still stay with the truth. As we go to Wickham Park next week, 50 people are going to go there and cook hot dogs and do clowns' faces and all kinds of stuff and just reach out and love the people. Awesome. Number five, a large church is inspirational. 
Don't you like it when you come in and, and you worship? There's lots of people around you singing. I mean, just when you heard the beginning uh, of that last song, you already know it, don't you? I mean, you've heard it for years. You go, oh, it's great. So it's just wonderful to hear people sing together, isn't it? Some more of you need to try that. Get here a little earlier. Now, <laughs> a large church has a positive influence. What church in Bavard County is always being sued? (laughs) Here we are. No, we're not being sued, you know that. But see, we have a great impact, don't we? It's not because of a person, it's because of God. If you don't have a Calvary sticker on your window, I'd encourage you to get one. You're free in the bookstore, just get one and put it on there. You say, why should I do that? Two reasons. Number one, makes you a better driver. And number two, story after story of people who move in the town are looking for a church and they see all these Calvary stickers and they finally go, I got to ask somebody. And they stop and pull over and say, where is this church? And you tell them, that's it. We have a great opportunity for outreach. Number seven, a large church prepares us for heaven. You see, the book of Revelation says, John looked and he saw around the throne A number of people that no one could count from every nation of the world. Now, if you think this is big, wait till you get to heaven. Pastor Mark, I don't think I like it. What are you, crazy? (laughs) You're going to have your little private room for you? Not a chance. So, I just want to say to you this morning, you belong to a big church. Remember these. They're good. They're great. I I thought it was incredible from this pastor. And I just want to encourage you to to think about, you say, well, there's still a problem, Pastor. The the church is just too big. Well, here's how you do it small. Here's how you take a big church and make it small. Watch Jesus. He's going to take a big crowd and make it small. So we learn from him. Look at verse 2 again. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Notice he said, if you're willing. He didn't say, if you can. He knew Jesus could. Jesus reached out his hand. And he touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. You might want to circle this next word. Immediately. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. See, that's impossible without God. That's impossible. That's the supernatural. That's a miracle. That's healing. See, lepers in those days, Hansen's disease, were the, well, they were the untouchables at that time. Kind of like 15 years ago, the AIDS people were the untouchables. They were banished from society. If you were diagnosed with leprosy, you had to leave your home. You couldn't go to the temple anymore. You were isolated outside with other lepers. I don't know how you provided food for yourself. They may have worked in some way, whatever. We don't even know all of that. You couldn't touch people. Wherever you went, some, some of the Bible references can kind of allude to, a person would have to have a bell. And they'd have to ring the bell so that you wouldn't touch them. Because if you touched them, you became unclean. Not, not just physically, but spiritually. So they were the untouchables. Notice this man. We have no idea how in the world he made it through the crowd. 
But he made it through the crowd and noticed Jesus touched the untouchable. Are we willing today to touch the untouchables of our society? In spite of these large crowds, here's how Jesus made it small. The personal touch. The personal touch. You see, Jesus focused on the individual. We're to imitate him. This church remains small. We have so many people that come in when we do the concerts and people from across the country come and they travel all over. We, we hear this from them over and over again. We're just blown away about your fellowship, what God's doing, the excellence we see, all the neat stuff. And yet, with all these people, you're, you have a small feel. It's like you care. Well, that's right. That's because of you. Great job. You see, after every service, you may not know it, but both of our rooms are here at the back are prayer rooms. You can go, and they're not counseling rooms for you to you know, talk a half hour, but they're going to present a need and be anointed with oil. You'll see that later and, and be prayed for. We want to take the big crowd to the small crowd, the personal touch. You'll see me sometimes come late on the platforms. Why do I come late? Because I'm out watching you come in, saying hi, marking down who came in late. Two weeks in a row, three weeks in a row. No, I'm not. I'm just out trying to touch you. And somebody stopped me the other day and said, I just want to meet you. And terrific. I love to meet you. You remember the old days I could do that, but carpal tunnel, I mean, I just can't do it anymore. I used to stand outside the sanctuary. Can't do it. But I want to say this to you. After every service, I wait here. You know, after the service, I don't, I don't rush out this back door and get in my you know, convertible Mercedes and go home. I wait for an hour, then get in my convertible. No, I don't. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the Mercedes. Maybe one day God will give me one. Hallelujah. Whatever. <laughs> but I wait here for you. If you need to be prayed for for sick, I'd encourage you to go back there. I'm not special. But if you want to talk, if we have a need or a situation, I, I wait here until people are gone. We care for the individual. That's what a shepherd does. You find me hanging around the commons. You find the elders hanging around the commons. You find the other pastors doing the same. See, we're approachable. That's how you take a big group and keep it small. Because we care for you. That's what Jesus did. Now, as you see this happening, notice that the leper was bold and saying, he didn't come to Jesus and say, heal me. We hear that ridiculous theology. He said, I know you can. Will you? Jesus touched him instantly, radically, and supernaturally. He was totally healed. That's, that can only happen from God. Now, what happens after that in verse 4? Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anybody. Now, why would he do that? Well, let's come back to a point. The main reason Jesus came to earth was one thing. To save people spiritually, not physically. Jesus does heal. But the main reason Jesus came to earth was not to heal physically, but to heal spiritually. Because all of us have sin. Jesus knew that if the word began spreading, here's a man, no matter your illness, you can be touched that that would interfere early on in his ministry 
with getting the gospel message out. See, because people are really only concerned about the one thing that's here right now. In fact, he says to this man, don't go tell anybody. We know from Luke, this man said, forget it. He went and told everybody. Just exactly the opposite. And the book of Luke tells us that Jesus then, because of that, he could hardly go into many towns anymore. Because when the word came out, Jesus here, and he couldn't minister the gospel like he wanted to. So there was a reason early on that Jesus didn't promote that. It's a little different than some of the things we see on Christian TV today, isn't it? Well, he said to the man, don't go tell anybody, but he did tell the man to do something. Look at the rest of that verse. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You see, in the book of Leviticus, there were rules about, well, if you were clean, if you were healed, and that's so rare in the Old Testament, we hardly ever see it, other than obviously a touch from God. But they had to go to the priest, which was kind of like the, the doctor clinic in those days. And the priest could say to you, you are, you aren't. You see, the priest would be the same one that said, well, you have leprosy. You must leave your family, must leave your job, must go to the city. You're an outcast. You stay outside. You can't touch anybody. You can't do that. So if he comes back and he says to the priest, Jesus says, now you go show the priest. You go show the rabbi. Why did he do that? Well, two reasons. One, when he went to the rabbi, the rabbi's looking at him and say, this is a guy that had, you're, you're totally healed. How did that happen? Well, I met this man called Jesus. Well, I've heard about him. Well, what are you going to do when the guy's standing in front of you healed? You have to either say, true or not true, correct? And if you know he's healed, you can fool yourself and deceive yourself and say he's not healed, but the priest is going to have to go, wow, there's something to this Jesus. That was one of the reasons for miracles. Well, the second real reason was this. Jesus knew that the man couldn't go back to his wife his family, his society, and to the synagogue until he was pronounced clean by the priest. So Jesus obeyed the law, said, go back, do all the things they need to do. You see, when Jesus touched this man, we don't know how many years it had been since somebody touched him. Can you imagine this morning, just a moment ago, you shook hands, how are you, nice, whatever, touch. Can you imagine going a week, a month, a year with no personal touch? We're touchy people. That'd be, some of you say, well, I'm not really touchy people. You wouldn't want to go a year without it. So this was important. So this man went back, went back into society, went to his home. The joy of the Lord was there. Why? Because of Jesus. So we see God's power over disease. Verse 5. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, that would be the place where his ministry would be headquartered, A centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed in terrible suffering. Now remember, the leper was an outcast. Jews wouldn't have anything to do with them. Jesus touched him. Now we come to, well, it's like three strikes and you're out. The Roman was a Gentile. Jews hated Gentiles. Whether we want to admit it or not, each of us has an internal desire for truth and meaning. As much as we think we have it together, there are questions in this life that we simply won't be able to answer. In today's message, Pastor Mark reflected on how the ultimate truth of the Sermon on the Mount drew such large crowds who desired truth and understanding. Today, we learned how ultimate truth comes from none other than God's written word. 
Maybe you're listening right now and God has placed a certain person on your heart that needs to hear this message. Or maybe you'd like to share it with all of your friends. There's a simple way to share this message. Log on to Lessons for Living Radio and click on the radio program option in the main menu. There, you'll find the Lessons for Living media player. In the Messages tab, simply click on Today's Date. Then you can share today's message directly on your Facebook page, Twitter feed, or send a link via email. You can even embed today's message directly. Again, to share today's message with friends and family members, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Click on the radio program button, then simply click on today's date. You'll find all the options to share. Many of us struggle with our faith from time to time, whether we're in a continual series of struggles and trials or a simple dry season. It's far more common than we might think. In our next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will remind us of the source of our faith. In our study, we'll learn that God's written word is the ultimate means of growth and preservation of our faith. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.